Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Gather Around the Lamp podcast brought to you by Under a Gaslit Lamp. I'm Mark Jarebi. Today we are not joined by Mr. Regan Foy. He had some things going on, but it is going to be me and Mr. Andy Bates. On this episode, we're going to discuss and give our opinions on the FA Cup match against Liverpool that we're all going to remember for a very long time. We've got a little bit of transfer news and rumors, some fixture rearrangement headaches that are going on at the Villa. And as always, we hope this podcast finds you and yours well in these troubling, troubling times. But as always, I'm Mark Jarebi, and I'm joined today by Mr. Eddie Bates. Hello everyone, nice to be uh, back on. Um, like Mark says, it's a really difficult time for everyone and I hope you're all well. Um, yeah, and we, we'll we'll try and uh, entertain you I suppose for an hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's going to be like. This, this episode is probably more going to be like me and you sitting at a, an imaginary pub kind of talking about what's going on with our football club in the past week, but I, I'm, I'm totally okay with that, man. You're one of my favorite people to talk to, but uh, yeah, might as well crack into it here. So it's, it's been a pretty much a, a whirlwind week as far as Aston Villa Football Club. There's been a couple spanners thrown in the works. Uh, when we last left you, it was, it was mere days before the FA Cup fixture against Liverpool, and we were all under the impression things would go to plan. Just a bit of rotation from Dean Smith. Maybe he wouldn't rotate at all, but by the time the previous episode was uploaded and released out into the wild, there was a uh, unfortunate COVID-19 outbreak at Bodymore Heath and in effect throughout Aston Villa Football Club. And uh, with the FA Cup rules, Aston Villa were forced into fielding a mixture of players from their own youth academy and, you know, against one of the best teams in modern football. No, no one can really hide from that when it comes to Liverpool. But, Andy, what was your initial reaction to the news that Villa had a COVID outbreak? It's just shock, really, Mark. I think, um, you know, I suppose it was kind of to be expected to some degree. But really, up until now, there's been you know, the odd sort of mini outbreak at, at football clubs, Newcastle was one and Fulham, I think. And there's just kind of one, two, three, four people involved, perhaps, and they self-isolate. Um, and of course, there have been one or two games postponed, but, you know, to have such a significant <clears throat> outbreak at the training ground, you know, with with up to kind of 14 um, sort of Villa personnel affected, you know, it, it is a surprise, particularly as I don't think we've had any anything um, this season at all, other than that. So um, it's obviously just 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 got in, and 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 this this new variant that we seem to have over here, which is um, which is far more highly transmissible than than, than previous variants of the disease. Obviously, has got hold, and and it's taken hold at. at, at at Villa and other football clubs um, like Derby etc in the similar way to it to how it has um, in towns and cities particularly in the South East so I think um, yeah it was a bit of a shock um, but I think we're going to see possibly this happening you know more so at, at, at other clubs now and you know once hopefully Villa have have um, managed to quarantine and, and managed to kind of stamp it out 
on this occasion a little bit and you know i'm sure you know you, you agree with me that it's the most important thing is is obviously that that the the, the guys uh, who have been affected um or infected i should say are, are, are okay and hopefully asymptomatic and not poorly and have no no longer lasting um uh effects of it yeah i, I completely agree and that, that was my initial reaction as well i was pretty shocked and you know you always in times like these, I don't, I, you know, if it's someone you know or someone you know through somebody else, you just always hope, you know, you fi- find that in your heart to just hope that they're okay and they don't have any long-lasting effects and nothing like a hospitalization. Maybe they can get by with, with just, you know, distancing and isolating and things like that. But, you know, my heart really goes out to all the players and staff at Aston Villa. You know, they're, they, we, we've covered them long enough, Andy, to know that they, these seem like generally good people, not only just good footballers. So, you know, hopefully they're, they're going to be on the road to recovery. But that, that's, that's my worry as well that there's no long-term effects. I mean, without getting too, too scientific on a football podcast, you know, there's now actual like firm reports that there can be long sufferers of the side effects of having COVID once you recover from them. I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, actually, Claret and Blue podcast, I'm sure some of you that listen to us all also listen to them. They had an infectious disease expert on. Um, I believe the episode re- was released this morning. So by the time this comes out, you'll be able to go back and check that out. Those guys do fabulous work over there. They're friends of the podcast. So more about this topic, you can definitely go over there. You know, they actually have someone on that, that definitely knows what they're talking about and can lend a little bit of an inside peek to how this goes with dealing with a COVID outbreak at a football club and even more so just a sporting club. But, you know, with, with all that being said, the show had to go on and, and Villa would actually end up fielding a very, very young team to go up against Liverpool in the FA Cup. Players such as Dominic Revin, Mungo Bridge, Louis Berry, Ben Christine, just to name a few. Um, they aren't exactly household names when it comes to Villa. Now, when it comes to under a gaslit lamp, we've written about a number of these players for many years. Once they've been you know acquired we do our digging or if they've been in the you setup for a while we've written about them or talked to people that you know have seen them play maybe at lower levels but uh before kickoff andy what, what were your expectations were, were you going to be proud of this young team no matter what against liverpool i think so yeah i mean I, I i was i was actually when i sat down to watch it i was i was quite annoyed that we were having to be put in this position really and that these young lads were were kind of lambs to the slaughter against I mean, I was I was shocked really at the quality of the the side that that, that Jurgen Klopp picked. I didn't expect to see so many sort of European Cup winners um, on the on the on the team. To be honest, and uh, yeah, it was a. It, I just felt a little bit um, a, a little bit annoyed, I suppose, that that we were being put in this position. Um, Having said that, I think I think this was probably Villa's will. Um, I think they probably wanted to fulfil the fixture and um, rather than sort of forfeit, I suppose, they wanted to do it if they possibly could. And the fact that there were enough um, younger players, academy players to do it, you know, was, was, was obviously in our favour. And I have to say it's another example of, you know, of how... Um, flexible and understanding and and um you know just pragmatic the the club have been throughout this whole whole episode really for going back as well to the the Newcastle postponement it was incredibly gracious um response to that they could have dug their heels in and 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 said no we want to play or we want the points but they didn't you know they they just cooperated and and I I find that really really warming as a, as a Villa fan and um, hopefully that, that kind of that gracious 
um, nature is returned to us as it as it seems to be um, this week. But yeah, I was I was looking at it and I was thinking just just whatever you know, and I was thinking if they keep it below five. Oh, that's a win for me. <laughs> I don't know what you thought, um, but that was that was my criteria for the night, really. Yeah, for, for me, it was kind of it was one of those things where at first I, I was a little I was a little angered and agitated by the fact that they were making this game go forward because I didn't think it was really fair on these young players to have to go up against a Liverpool squad. And I knew one, once that we had to field younger players. Um, I've always been of the opinion, I don't think Jurgen Klopp's as nice of a guy as his PR team has made him out to be. I think he's ruthless, and you don't be you don't get that successful as a manager without having a little bit of a level of being ruthless and, and, and pretty much going for it as, as much as you can. You know, we've heard him talk about fixture congestion. We've heard him talk about, you know, these players need more time to recover, not just his team, but in, in world football, you know. And, you know, I, I can agree with him on some points, but man, when, when I saw the team sheet for Liverpool against, you know, this young Aston Villa side, I, it was literally like an audible, like, cartoon gulp. You know, I was like, oh, no, this is this is going to be ugly. I, I don't, I'm not sure that, you know, our I know, like, I know in my heart that our players our younger players are talented for the level that they usually play at. But when you start putting Sadio Mane, Mo Salah on the field, you know, to start a game against kids, basically, um, you know, it's a little, little disheartening and you don't exactly go into it with the utmost confidence. Now I was going to be proud of these players, no matter what the score was, they could have ran up, you know, 15 nil. I was still going to be like, Hey, you know, at least our players had the stones, you know, to go up and at least try, you know, cause you're putting in an unfortunate position. You try to step up the best you can. They're at least trying, but you know, we, we, we all know what ended up happening. So might as well crack into it. So, uh, yeah, the Villa youth looked visibly nervous to me, but they, they looked focused as well. Uh, you know, waiting kickoff and it definitely didn't take Liverpool too much time to find the back of the net. Uh, a peach of a delivery by Curtis Jones allowed Sadio Amani to find a goal in the near post. The Villa keeper, Akos Onadi? Is it Onadi? Onadi? Do you know? Have you heard this name before? I, I would go Onadi. Yeah, I thought it was Onadi too. Onodi. I heard someone say, I, yeah, I heard someone say Onanodi, and I'm like, man, that would be so cool. I think that's such a cool, cool name. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was it was 180 seconds from kickoff, and the young Villa side already had a mountain to climb against against Liverpool. But after the goal, I noticed something um, that I, I was pretty proud of with these youngsters, and it was that the heads didn't seem to drop. They you know they stayed focused. They pressed in areas of the pitch that were very similar to the Aston Villa senior team, and they made sure to be confident in their tackles. And I really frustrated Liverpool as they kept their their you know, formation really compact. Was it surprising to see a certain grit displayed by, by the young Aston Villa players? I mean, we all know we have young, young, you know, talented, good youngsters in the team. I just spoke about it, but you know, after conceding so quickly, did you feel that a route was on the cards? Oh, without a doubt. I thought that's, you know, that'll open the floodgates, but like you say, the, the response was, was, was really strong from, from, from the defenders in particular. Um, and there were some there's some guys out there who I think were just determined to to kind of showcase what they had, what they've got. They've got that that ability. They're obviously they they they've got years of development in them yet before they become professional players at the level that they were playing at the other night. But but they were determined to show what they had in the locker. I think and. Um, I mean, I just, I, I, you know, guys like um, Revan and, and Mungo Bridge at the back, who who were obviously the, the guys that were really up against it. Um, I just thought they looked so composed and so fluid. Um, you know, getting the ball down, passing it along the the back line. They weren't just launching it forward. 
you know they, they they were taking their time and they were they were they were playing their game and and I'm sure they were set up in a way I mean it looked like they were playing almost the back six um at times the the, the back four seemed quite narrow and then they had um Hayden and uh Crisene on the other side who were who were tucking in as well and you know and and, and a couple of um you know holding central midfield players but the the other thing was that as the as the night went on, you kind of you, little things start, little bits of realization start to occur as well. So, first of all, this is a youth team, and then you realise that actually it's not full youth team because some of the youth team were training with the first team and they were they were isolating, and then you realise that even the assistant manager wasn't there, and then they said that you know these guys haven't played for about a month with one thing and another and you think you know they didn't even know 24 hours before that they were going to be playing this game and it, it it's it's just astonishing really that they didn't just get absolutely battered yeah i mean i all those things considered you just said that that makes it such just a much more memorable and heartfelt performance and you know we we all know we're going to run through the game a little bit here now we all know the final score by now but I, I still take immense pride in the fact they did it with not generally being match fit, not having a clue up to 24 to 36 hours before that game took place that, that they were even going to suit up and, and play a game. You have mixtures between the under-18s and the under-23s. You have some guys that never played before. You have some guys that play together all the time with each other. But I, I just think that it was such a, a gutsy move that and it's really underrated. I really haven't heard too, too many people talking about it, but like the Saudi money go, goes in and the body language wasn't dropped. The heads didn't drop. The shoulders didn't start sinking. You know, they, they kept it tight. They kept playing short passes that, you know, and you, you talked about Mungo Bridge. I think he's absolutely fantastic. It wasn't too long ago last year when, when COVID-19 really started to shake the world up that I was on a, uh, I was on a zoom call with a couple Aston Villa supporters from over here in America. And someone just happened to say like, you know, I'm not really sure like what are what are academies like like who are some players that are that are decent you know mark might know so they asked me and i was like there's one there's one player for me that i've always watched since he's joined villa and i, I really like the things that i hear about him and, and the very very few moments that i've seen about him because we don't always get youth coverage over here just like you guys don't always get youth coverage and it's mungo bridge and i've always thought that he there's just something about him and then to see him actually you know i've written about it i think four or five occasions about mungo bridge or the youth setup or what they could bring going forward or how good of a deal it was to bring this player to Villa and to see him actually do his thing and um, he did it well he was very like you said he's very composed in, in the center of that defense and a, another thing just like you said is almost like we were playing a back six it was almost like we were playing fullbacks and wingbacks there were there were phases of the game where you know Villa kept it so so compact and you know really uh, made sure they're two central uh, defenders were getting the ball to those holding midfielders as, fa- as fast as they can to try and you know unlock a pass for Louis Berry. But you know, in in the forty first minute, something absolutely amazing happened under the lights of Villa Park, and I, it won't be forgotten about anytime soon. Uh, Callum Rowe would send a beautiful through ball towards the Louis Berry, who displayed excellent pace to get around Liverpool youngster Reese Williams. And again, Reese Williams is, is a is a young Liverpool defender. It's not like he he's premierly quality or world beater. He's still coming into his own as well. But Barry would latch onto the Pasco one on one with the Liverpool goalkeeper, find the back of the goal with a right footed shot. Seventeen year old Villa would coast away to celebrate with his teammates. The smile was there to be seen by all. It, it completely it completely lit up Villa Park, even though there was no supporters in the ground. But you know, the seventeen year old villain 
he, he really, th- this is what we've all heard about Louis Berry. And we heard about the journey he's been on. And we've heard about that he's went to Barcelona, got there for six months or so and decided, nah, I just want to go home, man. I want, I want, you know, I want to get back to England. Comes back, you know, signs for the villa and everything like that through through a small, you know, it, I mean, by all points, by all points, it, it, not a massive transfer fee for for how good Louis Berry actually is. But what what was your uh, what was your action to the goal? Did you go crazy? Were you a little reserved? Were you just just happy? Because I mean, I I went I went nuts. But you know, Marky loves a long shot, so I I may have had a little bit of money on Louis Berry scoring a goal in this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did see your reaction. You 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 furnished us with that video. Um, and yeah, it was it was tremendous. It was a thing to behold. Um, no, I was yeah inside. I was I was sat with my 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 missus and my son. So um, and neither of them are at all into the football. So I was reasonably reserved, but I did certainly let out a, a loud yelp and, uh, and 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 pump my fist a few times because it was it was just. You know, a, a moment of absolute magic from from those those players, and you know, obviously, you know, we'll talk about Louis Barry, but the ball the ball through was world class for me, and but also the, the the little build up before that, you know, passing it round, you know, using the ball, looking for the looking for the angles, um, looking for the you know to 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 bring the ball forward from the back, and again, it just it just smacks of the 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 huge amount of, of of confidence that they they must have in the game in the game plan and the and the style of play that that is going through the club and 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 that is that, that they're trying to trying to build within the within the identity of the club so you know it was it, there was so many the pleasing thing was that the, the build up and the goal there were so many um similarities to the to, to the first team style of play and the pattern of play so I mean it was just um, it was just lovely to watch and uh, yeah I mean we're all we're all really excited aren't we about Louis Barry um, lots of people as soon as he signed were saying well you know get him in get him on the bench you know because this is a lad that can score goals and he's he's, he's a very very exciting prospect um, and uh, he showed he showed what he's all about um, the other night and yeah, it was it was an incredible, um, incredible goal, and and actually I've 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 published a piece today, or Regan has for us that um, sort of compares him to to a very young Michael Owen who who was actually at the game uh, reporting for BT Sport the other night, and uh, you know I don't know I don't know how much you remember of of him when he was first breaking onto the scene, but he was very much that type of player, play on the on the shoulder and. As soon as the ball goes through, he's off, and and you can't catch him. And he's and he's he's absolutely clinical in front of goal. And his his first goal for Liverpool was was very very similar to the goal that that Louis Barry scored the other night. And and it just it just it, you know it just seemed like a, a a kind of not ironic but very convenient uh, accident that 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 Michael Owen was there as a pundit the other night and and, and watching that, and he must have thought. Yeah, I remember doing that a few times, you know. So it's just a it's it was just a fantastic, um, uplifting moment, and and probably the moment of the season. And we've had some really good moments this season, but you know, nothing has made me, you know, quite as joyous as as that. You know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure it took you a, a, a few minutes to come down off the ceiling over there. 
Uh, I, w- I was through the roof, and it, it really didn't have anything to do with the bet as much as it is is just like you know you hear about Louis Berry, and again, like I, I've written about him, Regan's written about him. You know, th- this is a, a one for the future. You you heard it pop up last season when you have problems scoring goals um, in the January period, to where people were like, I don't know why we're just not calling Louis Berry up. You know, just give him a chance, give him a chance. You know, there there was a couple games there where uh, uh, Trezeguet would be Trezeguet El Ghazi would be put up top, or they would try Vasilev there at the end of a game, and people were like, Why aren't we given that time time to Louis Berry, um, which which brings up up my next question. I mean, what what really is next for Louis Berry? Some feel that the goal against Liverpool showed that he's ready and that he has the determination, you know, to really like make just carve out a spot in the first team. But there's some that you know wish his development would continue with the youth teams. You know, we, we still have Keenan Davis, even though he's he's been rumored to have a loan out. You know, Wes is big Wes is coming back at some point in time. We just don't know what and what, what's he going to look like when he does come back. So, so if you, if you had the decision at Aston Villa right now, what would your path be for Louis Berry? Well, there's there's two schools of thought, as you say, and or there's a few schools of thought, and um, I can kind of see the the logic in in all of them. Really, I think ninety five percent of players, young players um, in his position, will be looking for at least one or two loans. Um, before the age of twenty, so they can they can go and experience the the men's football and and the you know it doesn't have to be in League One and League Two. It can be you know Louis Barry could probably play regularly at top top end of the Championship. I would have said. Um, so it doesn't have to be kind of you know real kind of lower league football. Um, but there's all there's the occasional player that comes through that is that good. Um, when he's there, you know, at the age he is, that he's a, he's an asset to the club that he's he's playing for. And if Louis Barry goes on loan, say um, this month, just say he goes on loan to, for the rest of the season, you know, you're potentially sort of just gi- just giving a player away that might have scored three or four, five goals for you off the bench, or just gives you that that little bit of impetus um, around the first team squad and. It's a hard one. It's a it's a hard one to balance, really. I mean, I like to see when you when you feel like you've got a talent like this, you you want to see them playing for your team, not not necessarily loaned out. Because I don't always trust the loans, and I don't always think it's the best thing for for players. I mean, we saw we've seen Andre Green. Obviously, he's a different level, but he he had one or two loans, and they just didn't work. And he he can't get us. He can't get a team now, which. Which is tragic, isn't it? Um, yeah, it, it, for me, that that thing with Andre Green is crazy to me because I, I I thought that when he became a free agent, I, I thought there would be a couple mid to even lower championship teams that, that would you know give him a decent pay packet to to see what he can do. It might not have been a three four year deal, but they could have at least done something in the short term for him. Absolutely, and 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 that's the the reality for most players is that they will have two or three loans. Um, and they might they might never even come through at the club. A lot, of, most of them don't, do they? But when you've got a player of his obvious ability, and I've had it had it sort of, I've seen it read, seen it written, and people have said, you know, he's got to work on his physicality first before he plays in the Premier League. And I just think it depends on the type of player. You know, if he was a central midfielder, I'd say, yeah, absolutely, he's not he's not he's not ready yet. But he's a he's a he's a striker, and he can play out wide, and he's got he's got blistering pace, and he didn't show any lack of physicality fighting off that 
six foot four defender to um, to latch onto that through ball. So, you know, and I know we're talking about just a glimpse here of, of a player at that level, but he, you know, when you just see a player and you think, yeah, he's got it. He's 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 the real deal. Now the other aspect is, and I, I talked about this in my piece as well, that you know, Michael Owen suffered later in his career from playing too many games too young. He got injuries, did his hamstrings, did an ACL, I think, and and you know he he never you know he should have been he should have been still playing for England when he was thirty thirty two, but he was he was retiring then, you know, and and that was a bit of a tragic kind of thing for him really so you wouldn't want to see that happen with Louis Barry so you've got to manage the player and the, and, and and make sure that he's he's not overdoing it but you know you get a player like that coming through why would you give him to another team I mean I just think you know get him in the 19 in the sorry the uh, the 20 man squad match day squads and get him playing get him on for 10 or 15 minutes here and there you know and and see how he goes. I, yeah, I, I I'm, don't I, see, yeah. Go on. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. No, that's exactly how I feel as well. I mean, you have to get him involved. I think at least a little bit, if nothing more. Than it gives it gives the supporters and it gives the supporters that are stuck at home right now. The majority of people in England are stuck at home right now. They're under lockdown. Um, you know, and they're really looking at football to kind of be their their kind of. Uh, I guess escapism to a point of, you know, at least I know I can sit down and, and, and watch this team. But, you know, it's nice that Louis Berry, like local family and everything, you know, he talked in that in that post-match um, interview about how much this meant to his family. And he, he can imagine his dad was absolutely going ballistic, you know, with, with joy uh, uh, when he scores that goal and everything. So for me, I think you almost like just to give people a little bit of a different dynamic of hope and, and, you know, something to be, you know, something to get excited about. I almost think like you have to start including Louis Berry in, into the, into the, uh, at least on the bench. I'm not saying he's, I saw some people saying like, Oh, Ollie Watkins better watch his back. I'm thinking like, we just spent so much money on Ollie Watkins. There's no way he's coming for Ollie Watkins job right now at 17 years old. Great goal, great moment, but we have to be a little bit realistic and a bit more rational about it. I'm sure that comment was made in a little bit of tongue in cheek, but, you know, it's still the same thing that, that I believe. I think he's, he's one of those youth prospects that you look at and say he might not be ready to play 90 minutes 38 times in a season, but you can start getting him acclimated. And if it's not working out, if, he, if he's getting bullied, if the, if the physical nature's not there, he's still going to mature into his body. We're talking about a 17-year-old here. We're not talking, you know, about, about a 21-year-old who we just happened to pick up from Barcelona. Like, no, the kid's still very young. Um, he's going to have to come into his body a little bit. He's going to have to learn, what it, you know, how it is against Premier League defenders. You know, some of these guys guys completely dwarf Louis Berry standing next to him. But I do think that it would be nice to get him involved. Um, I don't know what the story is on, on Keenan Davis. You know, we we talk. You know, there's there's rumors he's going to go on loan. There's teams in the championship that would that would like to have him for the remainder of the season. But you know, all the it's just conjecture right now. There's there's no no concrete proof that that's going on. But as we're talking about transfer news, um, might as well might as well get into the the two players that that we've been linked to um, before we start talking about all this spaghetti. Uh, fixture, you know, nonsense that's going on with Aston Villa. So we'll get to the transfer news first. Um, so yeah, it's looking like there's two players in the championship that are rumored to be looked at by Aston Villa, but not only Villa, there's a couple other clubs in for him. Uh, Bournemouth's David Brooks, he's a 23-year-old midfielder. He's made 13 starts with three substitute appearances in the championship. Um, he scored three goals, providing five assists in the process. Now, Brooks can play in a lot of different positions, including central midfielder and is the number 10, but most, like, most likely he's been playing on the flanks. Um, I believe he's been playing on the right flank. 
23 key passes and 28 chances created and not a lot of time on the pitch. He looks like a tidy player that really any any football club in England would like to have. But um, yeah, I mean, do, do you think that Villa need to be looking at a player like Brooks right now? We, we do have kind of a, I want to say a wealth of riches on the flanks. But we definitely have, you know, players on the flanks that have been vying for game time. We've seen Anwar Algazi step up his form. We know Trezeguet's, you know, fighting back to get back in the squad after the COVID nineteen outbreak. You know, some seeds and everything like that. Now, for me, looking at Brooks and looking at some of his numbers, this this might be a, a bit of a cheaper option to Ross Barkley. So, I mean, how how are you feeling about that? You know, to have a multifaceted player like this that's promising. I mean, do you pay the the rumored thirty million for Ross, or do you go a little bit cheaper to get Brooks? Well, I mean, it depends on on what. I mean, I think they are sort of very different types of player. Um, I have to say that um, Brooks is a player that that I've, I've I've been impressed with from his Sheffield United days. And initially, when he went to when he went to Bournemouth, he he started incredibly well and um, really took to the Premier League like a duck to water. And I think that's the thing. And it, and I think when you when they're scouting players, they're obviously looking for those the raw materials, aren't they? Of of what what a player can bring, but what but more importantly, what can you work on? You know, what, where are the where are the inefficiency, inefficiencies in the game in their game that that you can you can exploit to some degree? Um, and also another thing that's interesting about David Brooks in a similar way I suppose to to Ross Barkley and and other players that we've we've picked up is you know that he has had an injury um he has been out of the game and he's he's perhaps lost his way a little bit he's ended up being relegated so you're you're effectively giving a player another chance aren't you yeah a, a bit of a leg up um to, to to have another go at the big time really and I'm sure he would anyway but um He's 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 definitely a player that that you'd look at and say, you know, if he's not a someone that would come in and and really hit the ground running, he's certainly a player that can that can that can head in that direction and and, and become a you know a really good player for the club. So, and I think that's you know I, I I'm not going to pr- pr- pretend that I've I've watched him loads, but certainly on the the occasions I have seen him, I've I've thought this is a you know, a really, a really, you know, good player, and obviously for the <laughs> the three or four years that he's been around, um, Villa wouldn't wouldn't have been in any kind of position to to sign him anyway. So, but we but but we are now, and he he would see a move to Villa as a as a big step up, I'm sure. Um, whether I, I'd I'd be happy with him as an alternative to Barkley, I don't know because I think they I think they are quite different different players, really, but. Um, he's certainly one that that I think, and I think it would be more likely um, to happen in the summer. I would I would say, um, but you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens for the rest of this uh, this window. Yeah, I, I agree with you on those. And the only reason I drew comparisons to the Ross Barkley because I I don't think Villa are going to automatically just go out and splash 130 million dollars in the January window. I think I think if if Villa are to make financial decisions on who they're going to bring in, it's probably going to be younger players and it's probably going to be players that, you know, 
have have a little bit of something to him and i'm right there with you andy like i haven't seen a lot of brooks i actually had to do like my own research i spent about two and a half hours as as sad as that is to say that's, uh, actually, that's like, de- dedication mark that's uh, yeah like just looking at his <laughs> metrics looks how he passes the ball i've actually was able to find a couple games online to you know that were recorded previously and just watching how he moves and things like that now granted he is 23 years old he still has to grow into the game and and just like the next player that we're going to talk about you know from reading reading and, and bournemouth are both have a pretty decent shot of of finding themselves in a promotion place or in in the championship playoffs this season so it's not going to be cheap to drag these players out out of their clubs to come to Aston Villa unless that's where their heart lies and they want to get back to the Premier League in a much quicker fashion I just think we're we're approaching that kind of time where we're going to start seeing younger players. Now, there's nothing wrong with signing younger players, but some of the Aston Villa fan base, just like in any footballing fan base, will want to see you know more more notable players, more players of a higher reputation. But I don't know about you, Andy. I'm I'm kind of all right with the fact of us, you know, getting these younger players for a, a decent price and and watching them grow. I, I don't know. Do, do you feel the same, or would, would you rather Aston Villa go and you know splash crazy amounts of money for actual like established players? I think sometimes you have to. I think sometimes you have to just get a player who's going to come in and 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 do a job from day one. You know, I think I think. You do have to do that, but that 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 isn't the model we're working to. We're working to. We're, we're we're signing players who are who are still a work in progress, um, and who have, um, you know, had had a bit of a rough time, maybe up to a point with injuries or just not settling or or whatever. And you know, certainly, you know, guys like Martinez and and Barkley are, 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 are cases in point. You know. Um, for, for that you know I, I just think no I, I, I don't know I, sometimes you just need a like I say you need a a, a ready made sure thing but but other times you know you want to see you know Douglas Louise and Esri Konza and, and guys like that coming through the door because anything else isn't really sustainable this idea that you know and we've always been a, the type of club before you know, we'll sign ready-made players. Um, but the amount of time it doesn't it doesn't actually work out. And I'd, I'd much sooner see a player come come in, you know, like Esri Konza, you know, and 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 build into and 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 grow and build into the the sort of player that that um, you know you'd want you'd want to sign and you'd pay sort of forty million pound for you know so. There's there's a bit more of a, a pride element to that, isn't there? And, and feeling good about about developing young players. So I, I quite like I quite like this model. I mean, what 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 do you think? You you you're quite happy to see the youngsters or younger players come in and and and, and develop under Dean Smith? Yeah, I I enjoy that. And like I I don't know, I'm a little bit. I think it's just I think it's a little bit of my Americanness coming out because we have sports over here where the, those players like that's just how you start out you know you get drafted you play really young um, you know sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't I mean you know but I, I think that I think that if you're going to create 
a little bit, I, I guess, yeah, you would call it a culture. If you're creating a culture that like, hey, if, you know, we're going to come in and we're going to pay money for you, we're going to give you a legitimate chance not only to improve yourself as a footballer, but also, you know, under the culture of Aston Villa, we're, we're a club on the rise now. We, we have the bankroll. We're not, you know, owned by a Muppet anymore or anything like that. You know, we can we can allow you and we can give you the space to grow your game and, and really be a part of a project here of, you know, trying to just be, be the you know the best footballing side and, and institution we can possibly be. Uh, Villa has it on their side. They're they're absolutely historic when it comes to English football. So that that's always going to be a little check mark next to the name of Aston Villa. If you're a younger player looking to ply your trade, it's no secret that Aston Villa is a great place to play football when there are fans in the, in the stadium. I mean, some we've talked about it on previous podcasts. When it's bad, the support's not great. But hey, if you're giving your all and as long as you're doing what you have to do, um, even not winning a match, as long as you're giving your all. And it's obvious that you're doing that. You're gonna you're gonna be supported by the fan base. Um, so I think younger players, th- there's there's kind of a want to be a part of that. And it's no knock on Bournemouth, and it's no knock on Reading or any of these other teams fighting for promotion to get back into the Premier League. But I just think that Aston Villa offers something a little different. And if I was a 18 to 23 year old player, I would honestly look at Villa right now especially you look at the talent that's that's on the pitch for Villa currently I mean who wouldn't want to play with Jack Grealish uh, it's just yeah. I mean it's, well, it's, yeah. it's it's sound it sound it sounds crazy but like Jack and himself as long as he's here he's a draw for this football club um but yeah to get into the other player I was talking about because I keep talking about Reading but uh Michael Olise uh, is supposedly a target for for Dean Smith according to the mirror I mean you can trust that as far as you can throw it but this this is what this is what they're saying there and there's multiple clubs it's not just Villa it's not just Liverpool there's a lot lot of teams looking at this young man um and he can operate as an attacking midfielder or as a winger Elise has made 16 starts and six substituted appearances in the championship for Reading so far this season he scored four goals provide eight provides eight assists now what it's just it, letting go of, of these young players is not going to come cheap so Villa if they are really looking at, at Elise or they're really looking at Brooks you know they're, they're going to have to pay some money for it and you know we, we've seen that game be played before with Villa where, where they pay a little bit over the actual value just to get the player in the door um, are, are, are you okay with that are you okay with with Villa just doing this you know kind of looking at players and I don't think either of these guys will leave their clubs until the summer that's just my personal opinion but I mean would you rather see Villa load up you know as far as players in the summer or would you like them to start to make some of these moves in the January period? I mean January is a really bad time isn't it I think to get good value for players and and, you know I think as well everything's going to be complicated this month um, in terms of moving around and players moving around the country and signing for different clubs I mean you know how feasible that is I I, I don't know I'm sure they'll make it happen if they if they can but um, I think I think my my gut instinct is that we won't we won't add to our our squad um this January unless um there's a, a like an injury like there was last last January um and they just have to go and get someone in on loan perhaps as a a replacement I don't see us um making any any real moves because you, you just can't get the, the the value and but in terms of in terms of signing championship players and, and paying over the odds the, the the transfer fees are neither here nor there in many ways anymore in in top flight football um they it's the wages isn't it so so you can go and sign um a player like like Ollie Watkins you know 28 million rising to 33 but he's not going to be on 
probably not going to be on the same type of wages over a over his five year contract as someone even like if you went and got someone like Benteke would be, you know. And that's the it's the contracts that really do the damage to the um to the to the coffers really. So you 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 know they 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 spread out that that transfer fee over the over the life of the um the contract and and to to be honest we we we're in a position fortunately where we can we can afford that we can afford to to pay over the odds you know and i think i think if you look at uh, man city's transfer strategy you know if they want a player they just go and get the player that you know they don't they don't worry about haggling over Two million here, three million there. They just get the player because that's the player that they've identified that's going to improve that area of the field for them. So, you know, and, and in similar way to to Watkins, you know, people say, "Oh God, we paid a bit over the odds for Watkins," but if he's the if he's the man that's going to make the team function in that area of the field, then it doesn't really matter, does it? You've just got to do it and and and, and get the player in and. And then, you know, worry about his 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 contracts later on when they when they crop up. So, yeah, if if there's a player if there's a player there if if one of these guys is identified as the as the guy that's gonna gonna improve us in 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 that in those certain areas of the field, then you know just just yeah pay pay the asking price and and, and get the player because because once they're in it. Do, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't, you know. The, if the, if we can afford to pay it, it doesn't matter. So, um, I mean, what, what what's your take on that that sort of thing in the transfer business? I I agree with you on the point that I don't think Villa is really going to spend by and large in January. I think it's just a tough time for everybody financially, on, you know, on a football club standpoint. Um, you know, it, it's it's still out there. It's still a problem that there's no supporters in the grounds. Um, you can't you can't just pretend like that doesn't impact the football club one way or the other. And I don't think it's going to put Villa in the poorhouse or really any of the teams in, in the Premier League or the championship in the poorhouse. I, I think that they're starting to figure out how to manage this the best way they can, just like the rest of us are you know, managing to, to figure out different ways to live during these times. But I, I don't think that Villa do any kind of crazy, crazy movement in January. Um, you know, we we talked about it on the last podcast. I, I can I can maybe see Keenan Davis going out on loan. I'm sure Connor Horahane's just hurting to play some football. I don't know what happens with that. We've heard you know rumors about Freddie Gilbert departing. You know, but you know we can't have any ins until there's outs with the the 25 man registration. You know, and that might be one of those things where some of these younger players that we've seen, being that they're under 21 years of age, can help us out because they don't go against the registration. Um, so I'm curious to see if maybe that comes as a little bit of a you know an ace in the hole per se for for Aston. Villa that they're able to kind of field a not field but have have players in the background just in case something were to happen like an injury you know not even a crisis just to get a couple injuries nowadays and you know the team flips a little bit but I would I would look for Villa to solidify in the summer I think I honestly do believe in my heart that that's when they're going to make their determination on Ross Barkley I don't think that they're going to you know I don't think it's going to be the 28th of January and all of a sudden our phones are blowing up that that Ross Barkley was signed I think they want to see how he comes back from this injury in the event that they do want to purchase him just to see how he comes back once he is injured um, with his with his previous uh, litany list of 
of injuries and whatnot. But um, speaking of younger players that Villa are looking at, Villa actually signed two of the players from the FA Cup game to professional contracts. Ben Christine and Lamar Bogard have both been given professional uh, contracts, and I, I I tell you what, they I, I'm not I have nothing to say about it. Those guys could pretty much walk into that room and within reason ask for what they want. <laughs> and for 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 me, Andy, they they would they would get it. Now, I'm sure they didn't ask for much, yeah. and I'm not saying that their agents, you know, immediately after the game called Mr. Perslow and asked them, you know, what's going on with the professional contract. But you know, I mean, is this is is this a, a, a a foot in the right direction actually starting to you know it, it was it was seen by all you know this this was a worldwide thing what happened with Villa against Liverpool this wasn't you know just exclusively in the Midlands or exclusively in England like there was a lot of news outlets that that, that picked up you know Villa going for the most part going toe-to-toe with Liverpool yeah that's, look I think I think it's a it's protecting the club isn't it as much as anything so these guys I mean Ben Crescenti and and Bogard had, you know, several Premier League clubs after them. Um, so you have to you have to just be careful, and 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 obviously, you know, they've done enough. They've obviously shown enough um, with the under twenty threes in the academy, and shown Mark Harrison enough that that they're they're able to that they are going to be potentially going onto the onto the senior level. So absolutely, I I just think it's great and I think it's it's lovely that I'm sure they've not been given these contracts on the back of the Liverpool game either and I'm sure it's just that's a coincidence but it's a happy coincidence that these guys were in the spotlight the other night on a, on in a big way and and then they've they've obviously signed their deals a few days later so that's I mean I just think it's great it's it's a, it's a it must be a really proud moment and obviously it goes with um I mean, Louis, Louis Barry's on a pro deal, and uh, Chukwuemeka. I think that's how you say it. He's on Chukwuemeka. Um, yeah, Chukwuemeka. I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I've heard that butchered so much in the past week. Yeah, man. I think, I think I've, <laughs> I've probably butchered it a few times as well. But you know, he's he's on a pro deal as well, I believe. So, and and obviously, I think um, I think Revan is as well. I'm not sure, but I have to say, I think you know, sort of. Having to think back to that that game, I think I think Revan, if if he if he had to come in, if if say we sell we sold Engels maybe or there was a couple of injuries and he he had to come into the the squad as well, no issue with that at all. I thought he just looked, you know, so disciplined and composed um, at the back the back four um, the other night. So I, I completely I completely agree. I think he's really underrated as far as people that that watch that game. Um, you know, we heard little little things here and there about about Revan, but I I think that he's. I think he's a lot faster than what people think um, for a defender. I think that he he has a little bit of pace, and it may look like he doesn't until like you know it's it's you know panic stations and he gets there. Um, but yeah, I, I, if if Ingles does the part, um, and it looks like that may very well be the case. Um, I I wouldn't be upset for him to to be underneath the depth chart after Courtney House, you know Courtney House. I, I I really believe that, and you know that that might seem a little crazy for his age, but I don't know, Andy. He he played such a good game. I mean, a lot of these guys played really really well, and it wasn't like Liverpool weren't trying. They just weren't out there having a kick around. Like you know, yeah, it was a smattering between you know massive massively talented footballers that are household names with a sprinkling of you know their youth as well. But I mean. Man, that's some of these players. I mean, 
I wouldn't be surprised if personally I got a, a few phone calls from some other teams asking like, hey, is you know, is there any way we might be able to discuss terms for this player or that player? Yeah, I certainly think they put themselves in the shop window in terms of in terms of potential loans, and and they will be looking for that. Most of those players, you know, they they'll want to get out and and start playing um, men's football as as soon as possible, really. So it's just done them no harm whatsoever, and and uh, you know. Even I mean the, the the lad was it is it Walker who who came back from Alva Church Alva Church on loan the day I before believe, just yeah, to yeah. play that game I mean right you know that's incredible sort of twenty four forty eight hours for him you know and I just I just think you know I, I mean I can't every time I think about it I smile because I you know I've never I've never been so happy about a four one defeat before. Um, but it was just it was just a really wonderful night and amazing that you know just sort of the day before two days before you know we're on the floor really we're kind of thinking oh god you know this is the worst possible thing um, that that could have happened at the moment with the, with the COVID outbreak and then we end the week on a high it's just and this is classic of of the direction. That Villa are going in, and um, we were talking before the, the podcast, weren't we? About you were saying about that it's um, it, it just feels like we're on a roll with things. It's it, you know nothing. It's nothing can get to us. We just come out smelling of roses every time. Yeah, and that that seems to be a big discussion with a couple of the the really you know just super over analytical in a positive light i meant to say that but it's super over analytical villa supporters that are wondering like so what what happens and i guess we'll get into now about the fi- the fixture congestion um we're, we're recording this right now on the 12th of january uh that's the tuesday we're we're supposed to be talking about you know what we felt about playing tottenham hotspur in less than 24 hours but um now that that fixture has been postponed by the premier league tottenham will now face fulham um scott parker is absolutely pulling his hair out at the decision but whatever scott parker um but the um you know the next fixture was set to be everton they were going to rearrange it for the sunday coming up this coming weekend but now today we're hearing from john percy the telegraph that aston villa requested a postponement for their game against everton so it's kind of getting a little hard to keep up with these these rearrangements and everything we understand why it's happening we're not being negative about it we understand why but you know are are you worried at all that villa is going to suffer some kind of stacked upon stacked fixture congestion once these postponed games are rearranged i mean we already have newcastle we have to settle which we might be able to do that during a week that the FA Cup's going on, and now Spurs has to be rearranged. We just rearranged the Man City game for a couple weeks. I believe that's on the twentieth. I believe that's next week. Yeah. So, like, I mean, are you worried at all that we're gonna we're gonna suffer some fixture congestion here? I'm not worried at the minute. I think I, I can understand. Um, it's probably. I mean, it's far worse for like a, a team like Tottenham uh, um, when they're trying to rearrange things. I think. I think they just had to. Make sure Tottenham played on on Wednesday one way or another, because you know th- th- they can't keep keep mounting the game the games up. Excuse me, because they're in all the cups and in, in the Europa League. And you know, some people might say, "Well, you know, that's that's the 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 um the nature of being successful," and and it, and it is to a degree, but these are exceptional circumstances as well and you have to yet you, you do have to think of the player welfare um in many ways and you know it's it's you can't have get to the end of the season and have teams having to play sort of 
you know four or five games in ten or ten or eleven days to 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 finish the season. We don't we don't want that. So got to keep it to a minimum. Um, but at the same time as well, you know you can't play a expect Villa to play you know a Premier League football match on a sun on Sunday if their training ground isn't open till Saturday. You know there's you've got to have training. It's you know, these it's it's a it's a health and fitness thing. So, um, as much as I want to desperately want to see Villa a Villa match again, um, I think if they can't get into the training ground before Thursday Friday, I think they've got to they've got to they've got to call it off or or move it back again, move it to Monday or if they can, I I, I don't know. Um, it's just it's just so it's just such a difficult situation. I mean, it's made a lot easier by the fact they're not having to they're not having fans there, so you know they they wouldn't be able to be rearranging these matches like this um, if 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 there were fans. Um, so so that's one one benefit, I suppose. But um, I'm not too concerned because we are at the cups and we have got we will have free weekends where we can um, you know we can play matches and, and midweeks and, and so on and. And to be honest, I think a lot is made of, um, you know, fi- fixture congestion. But I think the players love it. I think they love playing matches rather than training. You know, and if you play three, three or four games in, you know, in eight to ten days, you're not training much. You're playing matches, and I think they much prefer that. So um, I-, I wouldn't be too concerned, really. Yeah, and that that brings up a, a point that I want to discuss with you, especially you. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of bummed Regan's not here to get on this one too because he he always has lovely things to say about this topic. But you know, the Villa players, especially in the past year and a half to I want to say almost two seasons now, we've seen some players just step up in the face of adversity, and they seem to have the personality that whenever things are down or the chips are down, they they seem to rise to the occasion a little bit. Their game gets a little bit bigger. They seem more determined when they're on the football pitch. Um, and for me, you know, we're seeing guys like Anwar El Ghazi, his form light up. We're seeing, you know, Trezeguet when he comes back. Um, even Ollie Watkins at that point, and definitely Jack Grealish. We've seen what happens to Jack Grealish when football gets taken away from him. We see what he's like. And now, this won't be a long-term thing. I'm not saying it's going to be weeks and weeks until Villa actually play a Premier League game. But we know how much football means to some of the players that we've seen grow with this club. So I think that when Villa do end up playing a game, and at the moment I, I just checked on on Google and uh, some social media if there was any movement on the Everton game for this Sunday. As of right now, when we're recording, no. It's just that Villa have asked for the postponement of the game on Sunday. But I do believe that whenever that game does take place, whether it's Everton or whether it's Tottenham or whether it's another team, I think this Villa team is going to come out w- with with a little bit of fire under them, and I think they're really going to say like, "Hey, you know what? Um, there's other clubs that are kind of like." Walking us right now and saying why do they get games moved this and that like I was saying with Scott Parker the Fulham manager you know he's he thinks it's absolutely ludicrous that you know he's been given a short amount of time to prepare for Tottenham and you know, my, my thing to to Mr. Parker would be well now you know what it's like being an everyday fan over there in England when you take time off work and you get your train tickets sorted and you know you think that you're going to a game and all of a sudden it gets moved to the Monday or Tuesday <laughs> you yeah, know so no, like I, I, I'm, I'm sorry for you Mr. Parker <laughs> but you're not you're not getting any tears from this guy um and but, also, and also, he's got a full squad. Right, he's got a full, full fit, fit squad. Um, you know, Villa haven't even got a training ground at the moment, so you know, it's, it's, yeah. Of course, he's going to look after his interests, isn't he? And that's what he's paid to do. And f- fair enough. But you know, 
Go yeah. and beat Tottenham. Right, yeah. <laughs> fair, fair, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Go, go beat Tottenham. You know, I'm, I'm sure that he, he won't be saying any of that kind of stuff. Or he'll flip it the other way of when they do win the game or they draw with, with Tottenham. He'll be like, this is such a gutsy performance for my guys on a short amount of time. So, you know, use you, it, you, use it as, a, as a motivation for the, for the players that have, you know, just say you know no one you know this is this is outrageous siege mentality isn't it and and get them fired up and and go and beat Tottenham hi guys sorry I couldn't be here for this episode if you have enjoyed it please do feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on you can leave us a review on social media as well we love to read comments and reviews left on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp, and on Instagram at under a gaslit lamp. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.